New set of downs from the 41 of Cincinnati. Play fit. Trubisky floats it outside. Zach Gentry. Big Zach Gentry breaks free. Inside the 10. It's now time for our weekly conversation with Eldorado Eagle, Michigan Wolverine, and NFL tight end Zach Gentry on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Presented by the Sports Bar at Sandia Resort and Casino. Close to home, far from ordinary. Now, here's Zach Gentry. I got everything I need. Welcome back to Team Talk Live from the Sandia Sports Bar. Love coming out here every Monday night. Later on, we got the Eagles and Seahawks getting ready to kick off. Looking forward to that, but we're always looking forward to talking to our man, Zach Gentry, tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. Zach, how you doing, Zach? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. No, nothing too crazy, nothing too new going on. How are you, Joe? Good, good to talk to you, bud. I know you were on the sideline there. Incredible win for your Bengals, but I want to take a go off on a little bit of a tangent here because the Lobo men's basketball team beat New Mexico State 13, 14 days before, uh, you know, here in the pit. Great crowd. You probably heard about it. I mean, sold out the whole nine yards. Lobo's up by 23 at the half, end up winning by 44. Okay, same two teams, same coaching staffs. Uh, The rims are 10 feet. Last time I checked at Pan American, shout out to Hoosiers, right? Uh, And yet you have a game decided by one point. The Lobos did win in Las Cruces by one point. So for people that don't really understand sports, how can stuff like that happen, number one? And do you recall a situation where you were playing a team that probably had no business beating you? It was said like during the, the telecast that uh, they had seen the teams that shoot around and, you know, the Aggies like seemed really buttoned up, enthusiastic. The Lobos again winning by 44, maybe a little flat, that sort of thing. Explain the psychology uh, of this kind of stuff because people that haven't been around sports are saying this doesn't make sense. This is illogical. The floor is yours, Dr. Gentry. <laughs> well, I mean, first and foremost, a rivalry game there, right? They know they're going to That's true. Uh, you know, see, see the team in another couple weeks. So, you know, getting beat as bad as they did, I'm sure State had that one circled on their calendar to, you know, play the Lobos at home down there in Crucis and, and you know, make more of a, uh, a show of it. And you're always going to have um, – you know, big performances and big swings and rivalry games, but also just knowing the other team, you know, they get that first loss behind them, even though it's a, an embarrassing loss for them. Um, you know, they got they got a feel for the game. You know, they know how to match up against them. You know, what, even though they, like I said, lost big, uh, you know, they know how to game plan them the next time they play them, and there's extra motivation. So, I mean, uh, you know, at, at any level, it's, it's hard to beat a team twice. So, kudos to the Lobos for doing that. They're playing spectacular so far this season. I'd love to be able to watch some of those games at the pit right now, but, uh, you know, anytime you got to play a team more than once, especially a rivalry game, you never know how it's going to go that second time. And, um, you know, if you, you take it another step further, a lot of times if you, in the NFL, you play a divisional team a third time in the, in the playoffs, something like that, I mean, there's really no telling. You know, it's anything beyond that first game, there's um, so much familiarity between the two teams and so much passion that it really could, uh, you know, big swings like that can happen, and it's, uh, you know, definitely not uncommon. 
Yeah, and, and I guess, like, each game is its own individual moment, Zach. Uh, you know, you're at Michigan, and, you know, you're playing probably teams in the non-conference uh, that are hyped about going to the big house, playing against the teams with the best helmet in all of college football. And, you know, you guys uh, as Michigan Wolverines are knowing that, you know, you're getting ready for the Big Ten, you know, competition. And, you know, you have Ohio State down the down the road. Um, were there any in particular games where you guys got shocked by by a lesser team there when you were at Michigan, Zach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple of those uh, those uh, early season non-conference games surprised us a uh, few of the years I was there because, uh, you know, in games like that where you got an opposing team coming in who's never played, you know, maybe on a stage like that or a, a, against a team that's that high caliber, then they play up, um, you know, big time for the opportunity because, you know, they're, they're not favored to win at all or anything, and so they have nothing to lose. Um, I remember my junior year, we played an Air Force team that, that was just so scrappy and, and such a different team from what we have usually seen that it was insane trying to move the ball against them. I mean, they were just so much smaller than we were, but it almost worked to their advantage because they would just cut you on every play on offense and defense. It was the only thing they could do to survive in the game. And so uh, it was a close game. I think the majority of the game, I think we ended up winning by a couple scores, maybe 17 points or something, if I remember correctly, but. I mean, halfway through the third quarter, it was still a really close game against Air Force in the big house because it was a team that we had never seen or dealt with. You know, we're dealing with a triple option, and we're dealing with guys that are diving at our knees on every play, and it's like, dang, these guys are scrappy and tough. <laughs> diving at your knees and, and cutting you guys. Uh, we're talking to Zach Gentry. Uh, he's a tight end with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you mentioned these kind of situations can happen at every level and obviously you're you're talking about the high school level too you, there were probably games uh when you were at el dorado uh that maybe you guys weren't supposed to compete and you did maybe a, a big w down in las cruces or or you played somebody really well down there or maybe you got shocked up here a anything come to mind uh during your days as an el dorado eagle uh in those circumstances zach you know, nothing that really stands out to me football-wise. You know, it's just uh, usually with the football scheduling, especially at the high school level, it's um, so well scheduled and, and districted and everything like that to where you're playing teams of a similar caliber. So nothing amazing there. But I will say, like, in basketball, and it's true for every level, um, especially high school, is I think my, my sophomore year and junior year, we, we had some really close games with some teams that were classified a couple levels below us. But, I, you know, I think... Um, Sandia Prep might have beat us my sophomore year when we went on to, you know, lose in the semifinals um, right. in a tough environment. Um, I think uh, I remember my junior year we went and played at Hope Christian. I think we barely got out with a win, but just like a really tough game in a tough environment, cool environment. So uh, I think that stuff is a little more prevalent, especially at the lower levels in basketball. But um, anytime you have, you know, a small team, well, geez, I mean, New Mexico State going into Auburn and, and looking like the clear, better team that whole game, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a, a great example of uh, a shocker in football. Thank you there, Zach. Good, uh, good uh, you know, connection there. And real quick, I, I thought you might get a kick out of this. So, so we played it earlier. So Bobby Knight, they listed his top ten out, outbursts, and I think number five uh, on that list was um, he had beaten a team by 46 uh, the first time 
at home and then went and played him again and only beat him by six this time. And, like, a reporter asked him, well, how could you only win by six when you beat him by that many the other time? And, and here was Bobby Knight's reaction to that, Zach. If it amazes you, then you don't know anything about basketball. You're, you're uh, uh, illuminating your uh, relative lack of knowledge of the game with so <laughs> he, he let him have it a little bit there. You know, Coach Richard Petito was, was much more diplomatic. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, it kind of is like in golf. You know, you, you like struggle all, you know, throughout the hole, but somehow make a 25-footer for par or knock it in off the fringe for par, and you write down a par. And, and there's no pictures on how you got to there. Uh, but, you know, so a win is a win. And, and like you said, Zach, yeah, Lobo men's basketball off to a great start, 10-1, and one, and uh, maybe you'll get back here uh, at some point and be able to catch one of those games. All right, let's get to the NFL. Saturday, I know you were on the sidelines. Uh, that Bengal crowd again uh, willed that team. Great football fans in the state of Ohio, and you do admit that, Zach, uh, that there are great football fans there. And, you know, since Joe Burrow has been out, those – Bengals fans, those educated football fans there, uh, have been part of the reason of what happened on Saturday, Zach. For sure, and then we've been good, you know, the organization of shouting out the fans because it's been uh, gigantic, you know. I mean, the the crowd noise, the level of enthusiasm and, and electricity in the stadium is huge, and it's really helping us win games. It really is at home. Um, it's a huge advantage when you can get that opposing team on the silent count and be able to kind of predict um, you know, off of head bobs and things like that, when they're going to snap the ball and, and make it a, tough for them on a road environment. So um, that's really been a huge, huge difference, and especially in a game like this last Saturday where we're down for a long time, you know, and, and, and kind of trying to claw, claw our way back. It's, it's huge to have a, a fan base that's into it and, and noisy and, um, you know, supporting a team like they have. It's been pretty cool to see how much the fans have rallied behind Jake Browning since, uh, you know, Joe's been out. And, I mean, he's just been supported like crazy and, uh, well-deserved because he's been playing out of his mind. But, um, you know, just, just great to have fans like that who can bring the noise when, when we need it. And uh, we're going to need it for the rest of the year as well. So hopefully they can keep doing that for us. Well, I'll tell you what. You mentioned Jake Browning. You told us, hey, uh, be careful, this guy. Uh, don't don't doubt Jake Browning. He spent a lot of time, caught a lot of passes from him. Uh, he stepped in with from Joe Burrow and – one of the things you talked about is how tight those guys are, Burrow and Browning. And, like, people are even thinking some of Joe's, Joe Burrow, Joe Cool Burrow's coolness has, has even rubbed off on, on Jake Browning. I mean, uh, he is just, um, you know, the way he's handled. You guys were, were down by a bunch on sa Saturday. He never seemed to get rattled. Uh, like, just talk about his personality and, and your observations of, of him and Joe Burrow. Burrow, uh, their connection uh, since you've been in Cincinnati there, Zach? Yeah, and you know, like I've said before, they're, they're real close, and, and they're, uh, you know, working with each other a lot these days, but I think you can kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jake is, uh, you know, as you can see, and as you've been seeing for weeks now, he's insanely talented, and a lot more talented than I think a lot of people expected him to be, but it's kind of like what I was talking about with, uh, you know, lesser teams playing, playing against bigger teams and everything like that is... Jake's really playing out there like he's got nothing to lose, you know, in which he really doesn't. You know, he's he's playing with house money, and so at the end of the day, whatever he does positively is just going to help his career and his next contract. And 
he knows that, you know, and so he's just going out there and making the reads he needs to, to make, and he's not trying to do, uh, you know, play out of his mind or do anything that he knows he can't do. He's just simply going out there and taking practice reps on game day, and so it's paying off for him because, you know, he's cool, calm, and collected and doesn't seem to worry about anything. It's just he's, he's doing the right things when he's supposed to do them and minimizing his mistakes, and so, um, you know, like I said, he's playing like a guy who has nothing to lose, and I think a lot of times when when quarterbacks play like that, um, it's good for him. You know, you see a lot of those guys who are backups who aren't supposed to do well step in, and for you know multiple weeks are doing great. I think because of that, and you know, it, there's a lot of buzz around the the Giants quarterback Devito, and he's kind of doing the same thing. Um, a lot of people don't expect you know a lot of a lot of great things to happen, but he's going in and doing a heck of a job because people don't expect him to do a lot of good things. You know, he's just he's just kind of riding the wave and, and getting it done for him. And Zach, one of the things that we heard from Jake Browning after the game was he had a little message for a Vikings team that previously cut him back earlier on in, in his NFL career. And I mean, th- those games are always a little bit extra special for these guys because it's you know I mean it's cool to see the human moments for these guys. Hey, that team didn't that team didn't want me. Now I went and turned around and beat them. But I'm curious, did, did that come up at all? Had you guys heard about that? Had he talked about that at all? Or was that really just something that he kept quiet until it was time to send a message after a win? <laughs> so I, uh, you know, just just knowing Jake and chatting with him uh, throughout the season before he got his opportunity, I'd known that he'd been in Minnesota for a while, and uh, so I was aware of that. You know, I'm sure he he wasn't really talking about it much leading up to the game because you know, obviously, he was focused on the game itself. But uh, as you can see by his reaction, it was definitely something that he was thinking about, and, and he wanted to get vengeance. So, a uh, cool moment for him, you know, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people are gonna you know, perceive it differently online or when he's going to make mistakes down the line, they're going to come back to that tape. But, uh, I mean, just raw emotion from a guy, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think a lot of times people do forget too, you know, when a, when a, when a guy gets cut from a team or, you know, things like that, it's, they get, they get fired from their job. You know, it's not like it's just, uh, you know, guys running around like a video game out there. You know, Jake Browning was a guy who he gave his all for an organization for, uh, for two years and they kind of did, sounds like a little wrong by him at the end and fired him. Uh, kind of without him really knowing the full circumstances. And so, you know, you can see where a guy like that plays a little chip on his shoulder, and, and in the heat of the moment, he's got all this adrenaline playing playing out of his mind. He's going to, you know, come out and say something like that. So uh, kind of a cool moment for him, and I hope he can keep, you know, harnessing that and, and uh, using it as motivation in the next couple of weeks. And, and it can't be stated enough that this is somebody who earlier this year threw his first NFL touchdown pass, and you would never know it watching him out there is – Bengals keep on going down the road trying to stay in that AFC playoff picture. You guys uh, sitting out with the, with that big win, of course, over the Vikings yesterday. We're talking to Bengals tight end Zach Gentry here on Team Talk ESPN Radio 101.7. The team joins us every Monday. You guys sitting in the sixth seed right now, jumped over Indianapolis. And, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, Zach, because you've been in this division your entire NFL career, but... That whole AFC North really has a spotlight on it. Even with the Steelers dropping one yesterday, everybody's still 500 or better, which is historic by NFL terms for every team in the division to have that kind of winning record. Just some of your observations, what's stood out? What's what's felt different, if anything, this year just with how this division from top to bottom has been playing some of the best football in the league? Yeah, it, it, it really is. And like you said, I'm no stranger to the uh, AFC North, but... Um... I mean, just being in it for so long and, and playing against other divisions and watching other games, it's no secret that the AFC North is probably the most physical division in, in all of football. And, 
it, you know, plays to our advantage. You know, when, when we play teams outside of the division who, you know, maybe are a little less um, aggressive or, or physical, but maybe a little more refined in, in the, you know, their passing game, you know, like the West Coast teams who have their West Coast style, like the, like the Rams, teams like that that are insanely talented, but maybe not, uh, don't have as much of that, you know, uh, just, just attack mode, aggressive style offense and defense. It's, uh, you know, I think I think the AFC North really plays with a with a chip on their shoulder a little bit too, knowing that it's it's the, the most or one of the more aggressive uh, physical uh, divisions in the league. So I think it, you know, it's one of those things where if 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 the AFC North can continue to stay healthy throughout the season, because you know they play with so much contact and it bodes well for them. But um, I'd say that's definitely like the biggest thing that I've seen over the last five years is that stands out to me about that division and. Uh, you know, three teams right now slated from the AFC North to uh, make the playoffs. And, you know, like you said, all four are above 500. So um, impressive, uh, to say the least. Well, even if there are injuries, because it's part of the NFL game, you get uh, Joe Flacco, who looks like he should be in a Just for Men commercial, leading the Browns to a 9-5 and record. I mean, you had to have been playing as, as Joe Flacco in, in Madden and just watching him as a, as a younger man with the Ravens there, Zach, and to see him now leading the Cleveland Browns in your division, I mean, that has to be surreal. Yeah, it's bizarre, and it's, it's even funnier when, you know, you realize that he kind of just came off the couch, so to speak. You know, he was, you know, not really doing much and came out, and, and now he's doing what he's doing. I mean, it also just goes to show that he's, uh, you know, staying prepared during his off time and, you know, when he's not with the team, but um, and speaks to his experience. You know, he played for so long, like you said, with the Ravens, and he's been around a little bit, and so actually pretty neat to see what he's been doing with the uh with the browns and at such a high level um you know like i said just just kudos to him and his preparation his ability and um you know count a lot of those those older guys out like that but a quarterback that can just make the right reads and drop back and not panic in the pocket um with a with a wealth of experience like him makes all the difference in the world so that's a, a great grab for them down the stretch here so you guys get the win 27 24 in overtime over the vikings to Stay in the playoff picture now, eight and six in that AFC playoff picture as it stands. One of the big highlights from the game, Zach T. Higgins. First off, just the importance of, of a guy like T. Higgins because I mean we know about Jamar Chase. We always talk about Jamar Chase, but just the further on down you go with this group of receivers, the more production you can guys you guys can get. Obviously, the more dangerous it makes you. But T. Higgins with maybe the catch of the season in, in that game yesterday, one of them for a touchdown with his body moving and twisting in a way that bodies should not do. But for all the time that you spend around these guys, for all the years that you've been in the NFL, when a guy makes a play like that, Zach, do you still find yourself in awe almost of just the, the athleticism and the things that these guys can do out there? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, you know, a play like that is obviously incredible. But, you know, for, for a guy like T, um, it's not, you know, mind-blowing for me. I mean, I have the privilege of watching that guy pretty much every day of the week and, and seeing how he operates. And it, from the day I got to Cincinnati, it's been apparent, you know, with, with T Higgins, how uh, freakishly athletic he is. And especially for how big he is. I mean, he's running around out there. He's every bit of six, five. Um, and I don't even know how much a guy weighs, but he's, he's a big dude. <laughs> and uh, to see him get in and out of his breaks, running full speed and come into a complete stop in like two steps when he's running a curl and things like that, he jumps out of the gym. And so, um, an impressive play. I mean, just the wherewithal for him on that play, though, to, to keep his feet in and kind of twist backwards and, and stick the ball over the pylon um, is what separates that. I mean, physically, he's always, uh, you know, flashing things like that in his ability, but the, the mental part of that, to be able to 
you know, turn his shoulders away from his moving legs and, and stick the ball over the pile on it, um, you know, next level. That's pretty impressive stuff. First thing I got to ask you, Zach, this weekend, you're going to Pittsburgh for the first time since being a Pittsburgh Steeler. What kind of feelings do you have going into that? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, I, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, I for the first time, you know, going back to Pittsburgh, but, you know, I, it really, um, from a calendar standpoint, it hasn't been that long since I was there. You know, it was right. uh, late August, early September. So it, it'll be interesting, you know, um, obviously a, a lot of time spent there, spent, you know, four-plus four years there and, and a lot of memories. So uh, it'll be neat to see how that goes. And, uh, you know, again, another huge game that's going to determine a lot in the playoff outlook. You know, it's uh, they got the better of the Bengals here the last time we played a few weeks ago. So um, a huge game for playoff implications for both teams. And, you know, as you know, Scott, every single game will be huge for playoff implications. you got a ton of AFC teams sit at that 8-6 and six mark. So, um, you know, it'll be a, another huge game. The interesting thing about this game, your team is favored. Yeah, and, and it's it's rare that you have a team uh, go into Pittsburgh like that and and, um, and 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 be favored. You know, especially the backup quarterback. Of course, Pittsburgh's playing with uh, seems like now maybe their third string quarterback, Mason Rudolph, might be the guy. So injuries on both sides, and so it's just a classic end of the season matchup and. Um, expect nothing nothing but physicality and chippiness from both sides and I would be shocked if it weren't uh, bad weather you know uh, so we'll, we'll see going into the game but yeah it's, it's a different feel than, than most times when the Bengals and Steelers are playing at the end of the year there's definitely new faces and faces maybe you weren't expecting to see but uh, you know it doesn't even matter because the train keeps on moving Two more for you, and the first one is Steelers, then at the Chiefs to Browns. We mentioned last week, not an easy schedule, but you got by the first hurdle, the Vikings. Yeah, and then it's on yeah, on to the Steelers, and after that, on to Arrowhead, which uh, you know I've had the pleasure of playing in a few times, and one of them was in a playoff game. So, uh, yeah, that's not going to be an easy task, obviously, going into Kansas City and, and winning that game. So if we can we can get by the Steelers and everything feels great, um, then we're going to have to turn around and go to Kansas City, which is arguably the hardest place to play in uh, in professional sports. So uh, that place will be rocking. Then if we can, you know, if everything goes the right way and we can get past the Chiefs and we have to uh, play against the team that we opened up the season against and, and didn't play very well, and that's the, uh, the Browns that have a, obviously a fantastic defense. And like we just said, a, a veteran quarterback who's making all the right decisions and so, uh, yeah, no easy task uh, for sure heading, heading into these last three weeks of the 2023 season. And finally, I know it's a couple of weeks away, but your thoughts as of today about Michigan-Alabama? Oh, thoughts as of today are uh, I hope they're continuing to prepare with uh, the same intensity as they have this whole season. You know, it's uh, hopefully staying healthy and making sure that the boys are, uh, you know, focused at the task at hand. I know uh, – you know, I, I have uh, a lot of faith that they're going to be prepared, but I also have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'd say I, I don't have a lot of doubts that Nick Saban's going to have, uh, you know, the Crimson Tide prepared and ready to go. So, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of college football, a huge fan of bowl season especially. I, I love watching the bowl games, and I think that's a really special time of the year for, for both fans and the players. So I do think that this Michigan-Alabama game, try not to be uh, biased, but I do think that could be, uh, you know, the game of the year, one of the games of the year, just purely based off of the matchup and, and similarities alone. So 
um, feeling good about it, but it's uh, it's going to be one of those things that you, you don't really know exactly what's going to happen until you start to see what's unfolding uh, on game day on uh, New Year's Day there. No doubt about it, and of course they've got that Michigan-Alabama game as the first of the two semifinal games, so everybody obviously will be lathered up for that big old showdown and then know that they're going to have the Washington-Texas game on the heels of that. What a, a big night that'll be. We'll talk to you many, many more times between now and then, and uh, we'll get your thoughts as with that game approaches. All right, Zach, appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, good luck against the Steelers in one way or the other. We'll talk to you next Monday night. Does that sound all right to you, Zach? All righty. That sounds great. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Zach. Thank you so much. All right. Zach Gentry, tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He joins us every single Monday night on behalf of the Sandia Resort and Casino. All right. When we come back, we've got a top five coming up next. And uh, with regard to the top five, you're going to hear a bunch of different things, uh, including uh, what is going on with the off-season college football carousel. Not only the players, but the coaches, too. Top five coming up next. Team Talk, Joe O'Neill, Scott Galetti, live from the Sandia Sports Bar, getting ready for Monday Night Football. Sam Hauser back in studio, back in better than ever, and he's going to come back with the top five. You're listening to 101.7 The Team.